What are the biggest information security stories, trends, and threats so far in 2010 and looking ahead to 2011? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and we're talking again today with John Pescatori, Vice President and Distinguished Analyst with Gardner. John, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Hi, good to be here. Well, John, we spoke first last October about threats and trends, and I guess my question to you up front, are we safer now than we were in October of last year? And if so, why? If not, why not? Well, unfortunately, in general, I'd have to say we're not safer, and it's really because of two trends. Uh, one trend is certainly the bad guys, the attacks, this botnet threat and uh uh, the more complicated, targeted attacks that can be very, very damaging and much more difficult to detect or stop. Uh, the bad guys have certainly kept up generating new attacks and, and uh, very complex, effective ones. But probably more important than the trends of the bad guys is actually what's been the trend of the good guys, what's sort of changing at enterprises and uh, businesses. There's a trend Gardner calls consumerization, essentially much more demand by users to use their home PC or be allowed to access the Internet in a much more unfettered manner and use social networking and perhaps use uh, Google Apps or Twitter or MySpace to get their job done. So what's really happened is sort of simultaneously businesses are getting driven to have less control over the hardware, the software, the, the services users use to get their job done. At pretty much the same time, the attackers are getting more clever. So I guess, unfortunately, I have to say in the, in the past year, we've uh, actually seen the dangers go up. Well, John, you anticipated a question I have about consumerization, and, and that's talking about social media and mobile technology. We discussed this last fall, but since then, how have the threats and the solutions evolved? Well, if you look at those two different areas, I mean, first, social media, there's sort of two different threats there. I mean, one is they're just websites, and they get compromised like every other website gets compromised, whether it's you know the, the BBC or Alicia Keys' homepage. They, they often have vulnerabilities, and, and websites get compromised and are, and are used to attack users. So that's one, one area that's part of overall web security that's not really much different with this trend of social networking. However, what is different is consciously using social media for business purpose and then the dangers of information leakage, of sensitive customer or business information inadvertently being put out onto social networks um, or in this trend of consumerization, allowing people to use home PCs uh, and sensitive information being there or, conversely, using work PCs for more personal purposes, a great story came out that some uh, congressional aides had installed uh, file sharing software, you know, music stealing software basically, on their work PCs to share music, and they didn't realize that that type of software indexed their entire hard drive, and it put onto, I think it was BitTorrent, uh, sensitive government reports that happened to be on their hard drive. So the, this issue of this mixing between personal and business use and, and social networks being a prime example of that, a lot more risks on information leakage and, and very uh, uh, expensive and uh, high business impact disclosure events much more likely. On the mobile side, little different story. 
much of the sort of new push for mobility has been around smartphones. The iPhone was certainly the poster child, then the iPad, and now the uh, Droid phones coming out. And the risks there are a little different. The real risks are physical loss of these devices or the fact that they're fads that two years from now, a year from now, people will buy a new one and sell their old one or, or throw it away or whatever. And there's a lot of information stored on these devices, email, contacts, that if the device is lost or stolen, the information's compromised, or if it's sold on eBay, um, all the information's there. So mobility, um, the major changes since we last talked have been a lot more penetration and demand for the use of smartphones going beyond the BlackBerry to some of these newer devices that haven't yet uh, added all the safeguards that the typical enterprise needs around uh, mobility. Well, the threats have certainly evolved. Do you see solutions evolving in these areas as well? Yeah, well, I think you know, certainly here in 2010, probably the you know the major security story was the attack against Google, the so-called Aurora attack. That was a pretty much a straightforward botnet kind of attack that hit them and many others. Um, now we are seeing solutions evolve, um, and, and existing uh, security controls evolve to do better jobs against those type of attacks. Certainly, the web security tier, what you do put between your employees and the internet. Uh, is the most important part. Now, in the old days, mostly what we did in web security was try to keep employees away from uh, illegal sites or dangerous sites or porno sites or whatever. Uh, much more important than that here is looking at what comes back from the sites we do allow employees to go to. So, as I mentioned, websites get compromised quite a bit. We will let our employees go to general news websites or, or whatever. Um, they get compromised and, and these bot attacks try to download malware onto our employees' PCs. Current generation, the latest generation of web security gateways can do a much, much better job in blocking the bad stuff from coming from those compromised websites. Another very important dimension is on web security is your ability to deliver it as a service. And what I mean by that is it's one thing to protect your employees when they're sitting at their desks on the network inside your perimeter. What about when they're on their work laptop at the Starbucks hotspot or on the hotel table modem or at home on their home network? So the ability to make sure that whenever your managed PCs and laptops in particular connect to the Internet, that they'll still flow through your two-way web security policy by using web security as a service is very, very key. Uh, that's been one of the bigger uh, improvements in the security capabilities to protect laptops. So that, that certainly evolved. And we also see a number of other solutions um, starting out today as point solutions to do a better job of detecting targeted threats um, and, and enabling uh, faster reaction to threats. Over the next year or two, we see those things getting absorbed, those, those advances in detecting these threats starting to get in, absorbed into what Gardner calls the next generation firewall, uh, doing much better application identification and control and these web security uh, gateways getting upgraded to do much better jobs of dealing with the targeted threats. So as usual, you know, it's sort of the security chess game where the bad guys have the white pieces and get to go first, and security has to react and go next, but uh, we are seeing movement forward. Beyond consumerization and mobility, John, which current threats concern you the most? Well, I think the uh, the botnet threat is certainly number one. That's been going on for quite some time. I think that'll be the sort of dominant 
threat delivery mechanism for the next couple of years, take advantage of compromised websites, take advantage of loose security policies on, on PCs uh, and uh, uh, multi-stage threats that get on the PC and as a small loader that later on bring down the targeted baggage. I think we'll see that for the next several years. Um, probably after that, start looking at the rise of virtualization and consumption of cloud-based services um, is certainly another uh, sort of breakage in the way IT is done, just the way the Internet was breakage and before it, client-server was breakage. So whenever you see those major breakages in how IT is delivered, we know new threats will come, and we also know the way security is delivered will have to change. So you know, look, a couple years from now when there's more use of both public and private cloud and a lot more dependence on virtualization and a lot more attackers who've spent more time pounding on hypervisors and, and uh, virtualization platforms and virtual machines and the like. I think that's uh, by, say, 2012 is where we'll see sort of the next generation of uh, very dangerous threats coming from. Flip side of that, John, what are the emerging solutions that actually encourage you? Well, you know, if you think back to... Uh, Boy, you can think back many, many years to when uh, uh, alcohol was illegal and the moonshiners souped up their car engines to go faster than the police, and the police said, oh, we can use souped-up car engines too. So technologies like virtualization, while they open up new risks and sort of break existing IT configuration management, change control, access control kind of processes, they also allow us to do some things in security we couldn't do before. Uh, for example, this issue of uh, detecting targeted threats, you know, something other than signature-based detection. Very, very compute-intensive to try to uh, in, uh, investigate, inspect every executable that, that flies down the wire and do it in real time. But with the ability to pull in cloud-based computing resources, um, we can do things in a distributed manner. I think we'll see solutions coming out that take advantage of virtualization to do things like that. Already today, we see vendors out there with approaches um, for mimicking target environments and quickly detecting malicious software using virtualization to do that. So I think that'll be some of the advantages, uh, advances. I think we're starting to see a little bit of movement towards addressing one of the biggest vulnerabilities we've had and that we've had for, you know, since the mainframe days, really, and that's continued use of reusable passwords. When you look at most of the most dangerous, damaging identity theft kind of attacks out there, essentially they've captured users' passwords. And since those passwords are reusable, um, the attacker is golden. They can drain your bank account, your credit card, whatever. Uh, this recent uh, kerfuffle with the iTunes store where somebody compromised iTunes accounts and was able to order lots of software is a good example of that. If instead of this reusable password, we had sort of one-time passwords or, or stronger authentication such that an attacker who got my password, it wasn't going to help them the next time they tried it, um, that that's a major, major, major advance in, in security. And it's always been hard to get there. But we're starting to see text messaging add-on uh, approaches for going beyond reusable passwords, or keystroke biometrics, the way people type, or profiling of the hardware they use. We have started to see these steps, steps forward in uh, uh, someday uh, chewing away at the dominance of the, re the very vulnerable reusable password, and, and I think we'll see some advances there in the next two years as well. 
Interesting that you mentioned strong authentication. You know, we are aware that the FFIEC, they have a subgroup that's talking about strong authentication now. Do you think that we will see further guidance coming down from the regulatory agencies that then might spread out, not just in banking, but throughout business? Well, the FFIEC came out a while ago and, and mandated risk-based authentication. It didn't specifically say strong or multi-factor type authentication, and it left the leeway up to businesses to deal with the problem. Um, you know, the problem is that consumers are not wild about having to carry something around or plug something into their computer to uh, get things done, nor do computers make it very, today's standard computer doesn't make it very easy for them to do that. So partner surveys consistently show, you know, consumers are very reluctant to anything that makes their life more complicated. Similarly, businesses are very reluctant to roll out expensive solutions that may cost them tens or you know, hundred dollars per customer to roll out and have their customers hate them and reduce the number of transactions they do. You know, if car keys had to be the size of, uh, you know, lacrosse sticks, people probably wouldn't drive as much. So, you know, there has to be a balance here, and that's been the tough part. Now, with the sort of widespread acceptance of cell phones and text messaging, uh, we start to see that as sort of a low-resistance path. We've seen many, many banks experimenting with text messaging as that sort of additional form of authentication, certainly in Europe. Um, you see it quite a bit more. So I think um, there, there is a movement forward, but I don't think there's an ability for government to mandate this type of thing in consumer services. What I'd like to see is the government mandate some stronger form of authentication for all citizen interaction with the government. Today you can file your, pa your taxes online with the IRS, which is just a reusable PIN number. I'd like to see the government sort of show some leadership and, and uh, up the ante and the strength of authentication for dealing with the government, and then hopefully that will uh, lead over into private industry. So we find ourselves now in the second half of 2010 already. What trends do we need to be keeping an eye on as we're starting to head into 2011? Well, I want to point to that cloud and consumerization trends as the top two. Um, the cloud one, for this reason, if you think back to all the problems we've been dealing with in the past 10 years, you know, say since uh, sort of Internet became a standard part of our, our lives, um, we've been dealing with software vulnerabilities, in whether it's the Windows operating system or Adobe or Oracle or websites. You know, it's all about software vulnerabilities. And the progress that has been made over the past 10 years has been where the software vendors have, have at least gotten a little bit better still have vulnerabilities in their software. We have several out this week and Microsoft uh, alone. Um, but we've gotten better. And the, and the reason we've gotten better is most of the software vendors have put in secure development life cycles. They've emphasized security testing during the development of software and improved their processes and so on. But then along comes cloud and consumerization. Cloud being, oh, well, we, the software's out in the cloud. We can change it anytime we want. That's one of the benefits. We can more quickly update it and so on. Well, how does a secure development lifecycle work in an environment where the software can be changed every day versus uh, a process that requires inspection and change and rigor and so on that would eliminate vulnerabilities? So the, the cloud trend um, and the way application development will change, unfortunately, promises to bring in lots more software vulnerabilities all over again, so that one concerns me. The consumerization side, it's sort of a similar issue. When you look at the Googles and the Twitters and the MySpaces especially, 
but even the apples and, and others that sell to consumers primarily. Um, two major issues. One, the Googles of the world and Twitters, their revenue is through advertising. Their revenue is through getting people to expose personal information so they could sell ads around it. That's the exact opposite of security. We, we want to expose as little information as possible. So this trend of advertising supported and consumerization and, and businesses using these services, to me, that, that has a lot of problems just built in from the start. But even when advertising is not involved, when you look at buying products from Apple or even buying Google's uh, business-oriented services, since they are consumer-oriented, they never include the sort of manageability and configuration control and auditing and all these types of functions that enterprises need in order to manage their their IT and their information to meet the, the mandate of protecting our customers' information. So those are the two trends, consumerization and cloud, uh, that I think are going to throw some monkey wrenches in a lot of the advances we've made over the past couple of years. So if organizations looking to protect themselves and anticipate evolving threats, if you could boil it down, what advice would you give to them? Well, I'd sort of break it up in, in three different ways. Certainly, you know, since I'm in the security union, you always have to talk about policy and, and educating users, and certainly, you know, that's that has to be done. But you can never rely on policy or educating users to protect you against anything. Um, really what has to happen in most of these trends, whether it's mobility or consumerization or cloud, uh, the business is heading in that direction for some business advantage, quite often cost reduction. Cheaper to use uh, you know, web-based email than, than Microsoft Exchange, or cloud-based computing is cheaper than building our own data center. So wherever there's this cost reduction, some part of it has to be dedicated to adding back in the security that's gone away. Um, so again, if your business is doing bring your own PC to work, or hey, we're looking at cloud computing, or or, or we're going to use these consumer-grade applications and save all this money. The security group has to say, well, here's the standard security controls that need to be put in to enable the business to take advantage of that and be part of the solution, not coming along later and just detecting the problem. So, again, so much of this is about cost savings, making sure up front um, we're saying, hey, well, for a small fraction of those cost savings, security can be baked in to minim minimize uh, many of the risks. Um, that's certainly number one. And then uh, I would say, you know, number two su uh, suggestion is to say, for consumerization in particular, have a defined set of standards that you say, well, okay, if everybody wants to use this latest device, iPad or Droid phones or whatever comes next, as long as it provides these five security functions, we can consider it. If it doesn't at least include these five, and those five are typically enforce a password, enforce a password t uh, timeout timer, enforce, enforce password lockout, um, encrypt the contents on the device and have an over-the-air kill switch in case the device gets stolen. Um, have your standards defined so you can clearly say, nope, this device is not ready. This other device we can now uh, at least manage it securely and add security on top of it. If you don't have that defined, the pace of consumerization, these new devices flying out, you'll never be able to fight off this trend or you'll never be able to enable the business advantage of mobility while making sure security gets baked in. And that, that's really what it's all about with these trends is uh, just as we really couldn't say no to the Internet back in the you know, mainframe days or we couldn't say no to client server, today we can't say no to these trends. They're, they're out of the box. They're going to happen. We have to make sure we get security baked in as early as possible. 
John, as always, I appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Good to talk to you. We've been talking with John Pescatore with Gartner. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.